The mouse universe is just a carbon copy of the human universe. So I think so. So when the human queen dies, do they kill the mouse queen and then get a new one? This is getting very dark. <laughs> oh my! How do they line it up so perfectly? It just does, Mike. It's just it's just fate and the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode two of our podcast. The podcast is called Steam Powered Movies, and I am one of your hosts, engineer and producer Mike Frederick. I'm here with... Hello, my name is Dana Frederick. I am your resident steampunk and fantasy author at your service. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Dana. Of course. We live in the same house. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and in this house, we just watched a movie that's a steampunk movie because that's what we do on this podcast we watch steampunk movies and then we talk about it it's pretty simple we'll talk about the movie we'll talk about the steampunk elements the steampunkiness of it if you will we'll uh have some discussion in general and then at the end we'll give it our own special ratings so stay tuned for that um yeah that's what we're gonna do so let's get into it uh like i said we watched the great mouse detective uh, it was directed by the duo of John Musker and Ron Clements. They did a bunch of Disney movies that were animated. They also some other guys were directing too. I forget their names. Uh, but well, you just watched the series on John Musker and John Clements. I've already forgotten their names. <laughs> John and Ron and whatever. Whatever. But yeah, you you recently watched a whole series with a blank check on this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I did I did recently watch a bunch of their movies. They're the main guys on this. A couple other guys too. Um this movie came out in 1986 starring uh the voice of Vincent Price as the villain in the movie. Radigan. Radigan. Fantastic. Um a couple little interesting things here about this movie I'll start off with. The uh so it's basically a movie. It's the mouse version of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Based on a book. Yeah. That's oh. the Baker Street. Oh, you're right. Yep. And do you know where the name Basil comes from? I'm sure it's Sherlocky related, but no, I don't. I mean, unless we're just talking about the herb. <laughs> no, we're not talking about the herb. Uh the name Basil comes from uh it's na he's named after after Basil Rathbone. Um, actually, it's Basil. Oh, sorry. So Basil Named after Basil Rathbone. Who played Sherlock in that series. Yes. Okay, this all makes sense now. Yeah, it, back in like the 30s and 40s, mm -hmm. there was like a dozen or so Sherlock Holmes movies, mm -hmm. and he was the star of it. And he actually appears in this film as the voice of human Sherlock Holmes. Does he? Yes. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a very cool little tidbit. Yeah, so t tying it all back together. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool little tidbit about this movie. Oh my goodness. Another little tidbit. Um, one of the final sequences, and by the way, we're going to spoil the movie. Spoilers in this podcast. Uh, watch the movie first if you care about that sort of thing. Watch this movie from almost 40 years ago. <laughs> don't say it like that. Please don't bring math into this. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Anyway. <laughs> uh, can you spoil a movie that's from the 80s? I don't know, but I, I think it's just polite to always say spoiler alert. Okay, no well, matter. spoiler alert, the final scene of the movie is a showdown to the yeah. clock tower, and it's the first use of computer animation in a feature film. That I knew. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And 
also the first, well, of course, the first computer animation. They also first to blend hand animation with computer animation because mm-hmm. only the the gear background was anim- was computer generated. All the characters were hand drawn. That's kind of an amazing anachronistic little uh, conjunction because you have the gears which are very analog and very um, old timey, and then you are pairing that with this very new technology of like computer animation. And I just I kind of like the juxtaposition of those two things. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of. It's kind of a steampunky thing, you know, combining old school with new school, you know, old technology with future technology. It kind of kinda, goes along yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, that being kind of our 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 main hook into watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might be surprised. Steampunk movie, Disney animated mouse detective thing. Oh, but it is. It really is. And we should take this moment to say, if you are not familiar with what exactly steampunk is... Uh, first of all, just watch this film. It has everything. It has all the steampunk. Oh my goodness. Like we have airships. We have gears. Like literally like uh, Fidget's checklist includes gears. We have clockwork yeah. people. So this has everything. It's a great introduction to steampunk. And basically for anyone who, like I said, is not familiar with that. Usually I think of it as like low, uh, low power source like steam uh, matched with high technology so in this you'll see clockwork which is a fairly low power source kind of thing uh creating what is basically like a queen victoria doppelganger to a very advanced degree yeah i so i made a list here of what i thought were some steampunk tropes that this movie just hit on okay like every single one mm-hmm. so you said airships do we want to get to this yet or do we oh. want to talk about our like kind of my, our background with the film or at least my background with the film yeah sure yeah let's 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 do that first then we'll get into talking all how steampunk this movie is yeah be- be- because it is i didn't think it was at first oh oh no um I may, I'll, I'll go first that like i i didn't have a huge history with this film i probably saw it when i was a child but it's not one that like stuck with me Mm -hmm. um i did watch it a couple years ago we watched it together Mm -hmm. and and that was the first time i remember really seeing it um but i am a big sherlock holmes fan so that's a great great way to get me into it and we'll we'll talk more about that Mm -hmm. but yeah uh wasn't a really big thing to me till recently um how about you so um as as a very small child like four five six years old this was my favorite movie oh wow for a while um and basically because of course you can't have the same favorite movies as your siblings it's just not allowed no no it's copying it is copying and then you're a fraud (laughs) as a person so uh little mermaid was my twin sister's favorite movie i Mm -hmm. don't remember what heather's was heather was older she was into different stuff than we were um but great mouse detective was my favorite movie for a while when i was a a small small child and you can see if you've read my books you can see the influence this movie had on me like i watching this this evening i think this is where i kind of got like my love of bustling overbearing housekeepers esther (laughs) is very similar to the mouse housekeeper in this film um also the cat's name is felicia 
and I have a character called Felicia in the books. I don't know if that's connected. If like that name was just like nestling inside of my subconscious. You didn't know for you, years and years. Yeah, you didn't know you named her after a cat, but it was just there. Right? It kind of it kind of really fitting though, based on her personality, because she does not give an f. Like she runs her life. She does her own thing just like a cat. So yeah, like this had a huge impact on me, even though at the time, like I didn't realize all of the seeds it was planting inside my tiny brain. Yeah, kind of similar to, you know, last episode, we watched 20,000 Leagues, which was my first steampunk movie. Mm -hmm. And we talked about some of the ways that influenced me, maybe unknowingly. And so uh, we talked about this being a great one to do next because mm -hmm. it was kind of your first steampunk and obviously hugely influential i love it i love this movie so much and also funny enough like i was never really into sherlock at the time i don't even know if i like was aware of sherlock holmes and and all of that um of course later on in life like i became aware of it but like i never was really like into sherlock possibly because he's kind of an a-hole <laughs> Like, I don't really <laughs> like that kind of character. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Which, funny enough, this is a bit of a tangent. Um, But, you know, every year, uh, more and more older books come out from under copyright. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Sherlock Holmes properties have basically, like, slowly been coming more and more and more um, out from copyright. But the, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, the the sort of, like whatever organization owns those intellectual properties, mm -hmm. they still, they claim they still own the ones where Sherlock sort of starts to become empathetic, starts to uh, basically be less of an a-hole. More of a human being. Yeah, more yeah. of a human being. And so like they've done a couple of lawsuits against um, organizations who have kind of done that version of Sherlock being like, oh, oh, he's empathetic. Like we still own that. I don't yeah. know how those lawsuits turned out, but it's very interesting. If I was the opposing lawyer, I would probably have a really good case against them because <laughs> I, I think he's actually more human than that, even from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we can and like this movie even gets to that. Oh, it, yeah. In, in a really what I think is interesting way. Uh, I it, mean, Basil is basically the mouse version of Sherlock. Oh, he like, absolutely th we're not, is. We're not playing around like it, that. That's just what it is. Yeah, he, he absolutely is. Uh, and I guess we'll talk about this later, but I, one of the things I love about this movie is that it sets up that whole thing of this is like a parallel world to the human world. There's just like a mouse version of everything. To the point where like even mice have the same conflicts as humans. Like um, what's what's the guy's uh, Watson's name? Dawson. Dawson. <laughs> right. I want to call him Watson because that's basically who he is. Not Watson. Dawson. Right. So Dawson. Uh, he's just come back from service in Afghanistan. Right. No, I wrote that down in my notes. I was like, mouse Afghanistan question mark. Right. <laughs> what kind of war are they fighting? <laughs> yeah. What is it over cheese? Uh, it's so hilarious. I, I like I want to know more. I want to know more about this mouse world and why they're also fighting in Afghanistan. <laughs> I mean, I'm fairly certain that the creators would be like, it's basically just a carbon copy of the human world. Like, that's all you need to go with. But like, I have questions. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it, it's hilarious that, that this it's such a parallel that even the mice are at war in Afghanistan. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, one a movie that goes way back for you mm -hmm. and it's full of steampunk like even though i had seen this a couple years ago when we talked about 
uh, movies that are steampunk and you were like oh great mouse detective there's like the the queen thing in it i was like yeah but that's really it right there's not really anything else steampunk no 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 and then the first five minutes of the movie i was like oh okay 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 (laughs) yeah like once you know what you're looking for it's everywhere i mean radigan has an airship a clockwork queen victoria like basil i always call him want to call him sherlock because that's who he is but basil has like that like crazy like contraption that's just like boots on like a some kind of like a spinning thing all kinds of stuff just like hooked up and happening and like clockwork stuff and gears and like just every inch of this movie is steampunk and i am here for it yeah yeah again my 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 list of tropes was like airships gears automatons uh a guy with a peg leg that's a steampunk trope right i mean kind of that's a bit piratey really yeah i guess i mean but steampunk pirates are a thing so yeah kind of just kind of seems to go with the whole aesthetic the whole vibe we we do have a lot of um like a lot of uh prosthetic limbs in steampunk Mm -hmm. so because you know back then like you know you got gangrene in your hand you just chopped it off and then we replace (laughs) it with like a clockwork version right yeah and this one they, they even in the very beginning specifically spell out that this movie is set in the year 1897 mm-hmm. so right in that late 1800s yeah right in the, the steampunk sweet spot victorian era this one that's like the height of victorian era um she was i believe 88 uh in that year because she was queen victoria was crowned when she was 18 years old um and so this was her diamond jubilee which i believe is 60 years like mm-hmm. i said which makes her wait no 78 i'm good at math yeah <laughs> very mathy but you know it she's she's getting on in years i think by here by now albert has died um and yeah so like we're nearing the end of her reign so the the mouse queen also having her diamond jubilee that's Did, yeah exactly so in queen victoria was this also diamond jubilee that that same year I am assuming so, since we've already established that, like, <laughs> the doing... mouse universe is just a carbon copy of the human universe. So. I think so. So when the human queen dies, do they kill the mouse queen and then get a new one? This is getting very dark. <laughs> oh, my. How do they line it up so perfectly? It just does, Mike. It's just it's just fate and the universe. <laughs> the, the, the human queen and the mouse queen must be the same age at all times. I Look. I, I don't make the rules. I'm just telling you how it is. Again, I need to know more about this mouse universe. Right. <laughs> no, I, I need I need more information on this. <laughs> or maybe it's better we don't. I don't know. But still. I, yeah. yeah. How are they the same age exactly? It's just. It works out, I guess. It's just, huh? Yeah. Like I said, I'll tell you. It's just the universe. So the first the first thing we see is the toy maker, uh, Haversham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have a flatter memory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of my one of the little running jokes that I like, the, like the one running joke of uh, Basil pronouncing Haversham incorrectly every single time. It's a great joke. Never gets old. Every movie should do it. Great. Perfect. No complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his uh, he gives a gift to his little mouse daughter, Olivia, Olivia, which is this uh, little ballerina that dances clockwork. And yeah, it's it's clockwork. And it you know, it's. It's kind of sci-fi because that's not really possible to do. Oh, no. Her movements are so fluid and graceful. I, I love it. Like, clearly, this is this is a very good example of, like, a movie showing you something without saying a word very, very effectively. Like, clearly, you know, the 
the movie tells us, Olivia says, oh, dad, you made this. So like we mm-hmm. know just from that and seeing the little mouse ballerina that he's an extremely talented uh, clockwork toy maker. Yeah. Either uh, a genius or wizard. One, got to be one of those things. Both? Can't it be both? It could be. Yeah. We are not told. Mm-hmm. Maybe his technology comes from magic. Yeah. Although, if that's the case, he's very clearly a very focused <laughs> right. uh, genius wizard because he did not do well at being abducted. No, 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 no. But but he could just have gear magic. Like, only gear magic for things that he... Uh, okay, whatever. Probably not a wizard. Mm-hmm. Just genius engineer. Right. <laughs> Makes this flowing dancing doll thing um what were some of the other very steampunk things oh you mentioned basil's contraption when we after the opening scene um which i want to ask you Uh as a child that opening scene was that extremely tragic and like did it that imprint on you how like scary and sad that is i mean i i think as a child you know you kind of don't realize your own mortality and Mm -hmm. i I don't remember being particularly like frightened by that scene and thinking, oh, no, what if that happened to like me and my parents? Because like my dad's an amazing engineer, but like I didn't think he was ever going to get kidnapped by a bat with a peg (laughs) leg. So I didn't relate to it really in that way. I was I more was I will say I relate to Olivia very strongly, though. She is a mouse that I wanted to be like as a child because mm-hmm. she's like, you know, later on in the scene, she's like shoving like the cheese crumpets into her pocket. She's marching to the beat of her own drum. <laughs> like she's doing her own thing. She has her own agency in this film. She's playing with the dog. Like Olivia is basically me as a child and also me still. Nice. Yeah. She is kind of a chaotic element I love that, it. that moves the story forward in a couple spots. Like you got to have that one element that throws a monkey wrench into things to make things go wrong. But I it's don't be like believable. this description because it it sort of paints her as um, as not a not a person. She is a person with agency doing her own things like acting in the world and being a force upon it rather than just in it. Oh, sure. But one of those things is following a trail of bubbles to get kidnapped. I mean, why wouldn't anyone follow a trail of bubbles? I would follow a trail of bubbles. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, I told you. She's basically me. Uh, no, I just asked you about the opening scene because I saw this as an adult, so I was it didn't really impact me like emotionally, but it, it kind of reminded me of like an American tale. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid and I saw that movie... That one like shook me. Did it? Yeah. Why? No, for sure. I, I don't know. Something about like him being left all alone and all by himself. And it was like like the somewhere out there song. It was so sad. Like I like I didn't like that movie as a kid because I thought it was so sad. Okay, clearly you were not scarred early enough because that happened to me when I was four and I, you know, immediately went into recovery. <laughs> but you have heard this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the listeners. Very, very short version is basically uh, my family was leaving for Disney World when I was four years old, very early in the morning. It was like three or four in the morning. And I do not blame my parents for this because bless them. Trying to wrangle three children at four in the morning seems like a Herculean task. So I don't blame them at all. And it's not like they actually ended up leaving me for a week, but they did forget me for about 10 or 15 minutes. And when I realized that they were gone, my first thought was, Oh no, I'm so sad. And then how am I going to feed myself? Oh wait, no, it's okay. 
because I know how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Okay, I've got the food taken care of. And then my family came back and we were all fine. I was crying. It was very sad. But like, I'd sort of already gone through that whole journey by that time. In 10 minutes, which is amazing. Look, I'm just saying, like, it doesn't always take three years to go through a thing. (laughs) Is that like the thing that, uh, that like, Pup, like dogs have the mind of a child that you know you leave for five minutes they're like oh i'm never seeing that person ever again and they're so happy when you come back i mean they just have no no concept of time <laughs> which i i don't know if children do i don't know enough about child development to know if that's the same for children or not if it's like if it's a time issue or just what yeah we're not doctor scientists whatever doctor scientist <laughs> doctor scientist mike tell us the, the answers <laughs> um so the movie uh we meet olivia she meets not Watson, but Dawson, and they go to find Basil, and we meet him, and he's, so the next steampunk thing we see is he's got this literally steam-powered, like, uh, Rube Goldberg machine that uh, lights his pipe, and... No, no, it wasn't lighting the pipe. He was, it was smoking, like, seven different types of tobacco. That's right. So that he could then test it for whatever case he was working on. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So the kettle on the stove creates the steam. The man knows how to batch his work. Turns the gears that is smoking the cigars and shooting out some pieces of paper. And yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's a cool little contraption for sure. Yeah. Um. What? So what? After that, what was another? I mean, it, steampunk element in this movie. There's so many, but it's yeah. like, yeah, it's it's just basically like wall to wall steampunk things. We go, we cut to the scene with Radigan and um, Haversham, Haversham. <laughs> I'm doing the same thing as Basil, um, but the, our toy maker friend, he's creating the what will eventually be the Queen Victoria clockwork. Um, and again, it's just it's a hundred percent that like. This isn't really possible, but we're all like here for it. We're buying into it very mm-hmm. much uh, suspension of disbelief because this is extremely cool. Yeah. And they established in the first scene that yeah. he can do that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's set up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it, as long as it's established and set up, I have no problem with that. And I have Thanks to say um, on a on a very uh, picky note, I quite liked the way they controlled it. There's always there's always an issue when you are extrapolating technology of make suddenly making it overpowered because as i always say this might be something i say in every single episode nothing happens in a vacuum Mm. and so you know for instance if it were able to be radio powered um or some kind of remotely powered thing suddenly it's that much more powerful the potential of this technology Mm -hmm. but he still has to like have it connected via wires he's still speaking into a speaking tube in order to make her talk, which that limitation, it keeps it from being overpowered. And I think that was a really thoughtful touch. No, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and this was not really uh, moving forward in like the story uh, when Basil gets captured and they get put in this trap. It's not really steampunky, but it's this crazy Rube Goldberg oh, thing. I love a complex villainous plot. Right. Oh, I couldn't decide on how to kill you, so I'll kill you in all the ways. You'll be shot. You'll be splatted. You'll be knifed. You'll be axed. <laughs> and he does the classic villain thing of, I have set, set up this complicated trap, but then I'm going to walk away and assume it works. I love it. So here's the thing that I think makes this particular setup work and a lot of other movies get wrong a lot of other movies the villain sets up this contraption 
and then they walk away for no good reason, right? So this one, when Basil shows up, and Radigan is like, oh, you're, oh, I was expecting you, but I was expecting you 15 minutes earlier. Again, they set it up earlier. So then when he gets put in the contraption, Radigan's like, I'd love to stay, but I'm 15 minutes behind schedule. Right. It, there's a reason for it. And it's for the his plot that was already in motion. Yeah. He can't be late for. Yeah. It's, it, it's built right in. I think it works. I think it's enough. It's still ridiculous, but in a fun way. At least, at least they thought of that. They were like, hey, wait, are we really going to do this thing where like he just wanders away for no good reason? No, no, no. We thought about it. Mm hmm. And even just the fact of having the setup be any amount of time, it's only like three or four minutes before, but having the setup for the reason he has to leave being before it happens. Too many movies these days I see, it's like, oh, we need something to happen or something happens and then they explain it after. Yeah. But it sets it up before, which is better storytelling. Mm -hmm. They, Yeah. Great thing about this movie. Storytelling, tight, makes sense. While still throwing in ridiculous fun things like crazy villain contraptions. I love it. I'm, tell I'm telling you, this this movie is so good. I know it's, what, 30, 40? I don't know. Don't make me do that. However many years old now. But it's so worth it. Like, it's just a solid film. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. And then, of course, we have the chase. There's a chase, an airship chase scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard to say. Airship chase scene. Uh, that's a good warm up. Yeah. Uh, so Radigan has his airship, and then Basil has the uh, the makeshift one with the, what was it? A matchbox and some a sheet. It and was some balloons. balloons. It was a uh, Union Jack flag, and I'm I yeah I guess it was a, a matchbox. And like that scene where it comes up is so good because like it sort of comes up and looms behind Radigan, and then it's like you just hear ba ba ba. Like in your head, it doesn't actually play in the film, but mm -hmm. it's just like Britannia. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, uh, very, very British, very uh, United Kingdom movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that's just yet like another very steampunky thing. We're very sort of Britannia and whatnot in that community because you know, bunch of Anglophiles. Yeah, pretty much. I'm not gonna lie, um, it pegged us because you know. So much of the Industrial Revolution, of course, it was happening here in America, too. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff happening under Queen Victoria in England and stuff like that. So, I mean, um, the housekeeper, who I don't think gets a name, um, but she, like, bustles off to make tea and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I love it. Ah. Yeah, a bunch of good stuff. Uh, so next, let's just talk about a couple of our, like, what are our very favorite things? We said a lot of things we like about this movie. Obviously, um, you know, TLDR, we like this movie, right? Yeah, I love it. Oh, my gosh, I love it so much. Tell me, like, one or two favorite things that okay. you noticed this time this time around. Okay, so two things. Um, one thing that is very surprising in this film, very clearly, this is before movies, especially movies for children, started uh, just being aware of... I guess, I don't know. Like, I kind of don't love this, but I also kind of get it. So there are two really big things in this movie that, like, would definitely be no-nos for children's movies now. And that is, uh, we see Basil smoking. Like, you just don't see cigarettes mm -hmm. in children's movies at all anymore, or any kind of family film. Um, and we also have a mouse burlesque scene. Yes. And... <laughs> 
yeah, I, I know we talked about this earlier, but like that's a little shocking. Absolutely. I'm I the second time I remember watching this movie and I was the second time shocked that that scene existed in a Disney movie for kids. But let me tell you, that's that's actually connected to one of my favorite things about this is that there's no love story. So often in films, this is this is a bugbear for me. Uh, when there is a a an adult female character, um, I'm I'm not going to use the term that is often used for this because I don't like this term. Um, if if you're clever, you you can probably figure it out. But basically, if there's like an adult female character, she's there to be the love interest, mm-hmm. and I hate that. I hate that to the core of my soul because that is doing the same thing as all these other movies where like. Basically, she is just an object to prop up the male protagonist and be there for his like emotional support. There's so much wrong with this. Women are not here to support, to just be emotional support for men. We're not here to be a romantic interest. And there was no love story in this. It made me so happy because the burlesque mouse, who I'm going to go ahead and call Tiffany. Again, I don't know if she gets, <laughs> she gets a name. I'm going to call her Tiffany because it seems like a very... That seems like a very fitting name for her. We could read the credits of the movie, but we'll just go with your name. I That's don't good. think she had a name. But anyway, so <laughs> tweet, she would tweet be... Tweet at us if you find a name. Yeah, tweet at us. What's what's the what's the Twitter at handle? Steam Powered Pod. There you go. Yeah, tweet, us, tweet at us if she has a name. But anyway, she would be the ideal candidate for a romantic interest for this film. And she's not. She's just living her life, doing her job, making her money. She is just doing her thing and that we just leave her to it. And so, I love that. So you're saying in like the modern live action Disney adaptation of this movie, mm-hmm. uh there would there would be some sort of interaction between her and Basil in the bar scene and he would oh be like gosh. looking at her and she'd be like, "Oh, that's a that's a handsome man." Y'all, I am rolling my eyes. No, there absolutely <laughs> would be cuz unfortunately those movies are cash grabs. Um, and then at the end of it, you know, they would kiss and, yeah, and it would she be would like somehow like get conveniently included. But no, in this, she's just doing her thing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Just making a living. Yeah. Just, just hanging out of that bar and singing for tips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's probably got her little penthouse suite. She's good to go. Um, so that was one thing I loved about it, that they didn't try to shoehorn in a romantic storyline. I love a romantic storyline. I am not a romantic, but... I just don't like a romantic through line if it doesn't fit. So anyway, um, I love that about it. Mm -hmm. And I also, um, oh, what's the other thing? I wrote down notes. Hang on. Let me see. Um, Oh, oh, right. right. Here's the other thing. Um, The top notch trolling that Radigan pulls. Like when when Basil kind of comes in and is caught in radigan's trap because he was basically lured there following fidget the bat Mm -hmm. and then like the banner unfurls that says like welcome basil (laughs) i love this trolling oh it's great that is some a plus trolling that's the sort of thing that rook in my books would pull oh yeah i absolutely just chef's kiss i i I dream of being that good a troll. I never will be. Yeah, let's talk for a second about how much Radigan prepared for capturing Basil. He had a banner made. I know! He had, uh, and 
He pre-recorded a song. He did. He like <laughs> took the time. And this is not, by the way, this is not like where you can just record it on your iPhone. We need wax cylinders yeah, he, in order he, to do it. He made a he made an actual record. Yeah, he printed a record of him singing what was like so long, so Farewell, soon. Farewell, whatever, whatever. Yeah. It's it, it, definitely it a crime. It doesn't get the prominence of a lot of Disney musicals that the villain song usually gets. It's like a big musical number, a big well, to-do. He, he had his musical number, but honestly, I don't really care about that that number. Mm-hmm. I like this one. Yes. No, no. I, 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 This one to me is the villain song, uh-huh. but it's kind of snuck in. It is. But I, I do think it's hilarious it's that so he spent good. like... It insinuates that he spent the time to write the song and record it and put it on a record and have it playing and be the mechanism that sets off the contraption to murder his nemesis. And not even that, but it's not like a mouse sized record player. It is a human sized (laughs) gramophone. Whatever they did, they had to take it and sneak it to the human world, get the humans to press the record. Yeah, who's the go-between between the mouse world and the human record pressers? Do they have a do they have a human recording engineer on retainer? Oh, it makes me so happy. It, it, no, maybe is Radigan a performing artist? He might be. Is he? Is he? Is that's he charting? His, that's his like his legal cover. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. Like, cause like, he's a personality, you know, he's known when at the end he, like, he introduced himself, but he's like, yeah, I'm Radigan. I'm in charge now. Mm-hmm. But maybe they already knew who he was because he was a famous singer. There you go. You cracked it. He has a recording you contract. You his wide open. <laughs> that was his front. His secret identity was Crime Lord. Exactly. That, yeah. Yeah. And the police never caught him, but he was right in plain sight the whole time. Right. I mean, not even Basil could catch him. We that was established only in the film that like he slipped through his fingers again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> again, this mouse world is complicated, and it it's just it's great. It's I got layers. do I do really love how they have integrated the mouse world in with the human world. Like you're you see the mice using objects from the human world and kind of like taking them and forming them to their own use. I always love a story like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do it in Secret of Nim. Um, all of these furry friendly films. We support you, furry community, BT dubs. And they they kind of have to be so creative with these ginormous objects from the human world. And then, you know, how, how would a mouse, a sentient mouse use this? Mm-hmm. Not sentient. That's not the right word. But you know what I mean? A, a, like a, an awakened mouse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh. So, again, I've said a lot of things that I really like, but my my favorite thing about this movie is the Sherlock Holmes-ness of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, I, I grew up reading the stories and, you know, uh, I liked most of the adaptations that have been done of it. I, I'm just a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. I like mysteries. I like trying to figure them out. I like being surprised by the endings. Um, just love a good mystery. Sherlock Holmes is great. Uh, and then, I have a question for you then. Okay. Yeah. Shoot. Okay. Shoot me your question. So because this is a children's film and honestly, if it was done up like a normal mystery where you don't see what the villain is doing, you don't know who the villain is most of the time. It's not laid out in that same way. Mm-hmm. You know, with children, you kind of have to be a little, give, give them a little bit more 
were you disappointed at all in watching this? Because you know who the bad guy is the whole time. You know what he's up to, basically. They don't quite tell you what exactly is going to happen, but they give you all the clues. They're showing you everything. No, I, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed by that. And I do think they did a decent job of holding back enough. Uh, you, you could tell there was, there's always the scene, there's always the point in the mystery story, especially with Sherlock Holmes, where he has figured it out. But they haven't given you enough information to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Not really, anyway. And in this one, it's in the the toy scene, the toy shop, where they have the whole scuffle with the bat. Um, what's his name? Fidget. Fidget, right. The whole scuff- scuffle with Fidget. And then, uh, when, I keep wanting to say Watson also. Uh, Dawson. Uh, Dawson finds the list. And he's like, what is all this for? And then Basil's like, what, you haven't figured it out already? It's quite simple. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, you know, he knows the whole plot. We don't exactly know. We know it's something to do with the Royal Guard and something to do with Gears. And, you know, we've seen the hints about the Queen uh, being shown. And some, so something to do with the Queen. We don't know exactly. But, uh, but yeah, uh, there's always that scene so I think it did well in that way. Yeah, there's a little bit more shown from the villain's side mm-hmm. in a traditional like Sherlock Holmes story. You don't get the like omniscient point of view where you can see what's going on mm-hmm. with other characters because they're very much written from Watson's perspective. But I, I I do like how many things they tried to keep the same as they could. Uh, the the housekeeper who is in the very beginning, they were like, is this the, the residence of, of Basil, the te- detective Basil? And she was like, I'm afraid it is. Like, <laughs> you could tell from that first line that she is like, ah. Beleaguered and over it. Yes, beleaguered, perfect word. Um, so you got you got that character, knocked it off the list. You've got all of his scientific experiments happening, including firing weapons. Um, that's definitely a thing that oh, happens. Oh, the, the gun firing, yeah. And yeah, doing the bull analysis, uh, the 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 smoke analysis. He it's more with pipe smoke in the in the books and stories, but you know cigars, whatever. Yeah, probably easier to visualize. Um, they had his personality. He was very moody. He oh. played the violin. He's a drama llama. So much drama. So moody. To the point where it actually really works with the kind of the, the the part where they're captured that he gives up. He's like, oh, I've been bested. Like his ego is so bruised. His he ego gives up is on life. So, oh, my gosh. Like that was the one thing that I didn't like about this film as a child, because I, I could never relate to that where I'm like, mm-hmm. bruh. So he he got like he got you. Okay, you get back up and you try again, duh. But it's very Sherlock Holmes. It, it's perfect for the character, and only when Dawson points says something, oh, maybe we should just set it off now. Mm-hmm. That it sparks something in his brain, like set it off. Oh, and then then he has an idea. He snaps into action. Mm-hmm. This is it, his opportunity to get back and rat again. Right, but it does it does give the dramatic tension of like, are they going to get out of this, or how are they going to get out of this? So it. Working the character into the story was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Holmes Watson dynamic, down to at the end, where he's like, "Oh, uh, you, he works all of my cases with me," and that's that human element. There's, he really wants company. He acts like he's a loner. He can do everything by himself, but mm-hmm. 
he knows that he needs people and he knows that, you know, he needs more companionship and someone to bounce things off of besides the housekeeper who is just annoyed with him being there. <laughs> Pretty much. So that whole dynamic and even down to referencing specific Sherlock Holmes stories. I know I'm going on about this. No, no, it's, it's good. Not apologizing. I love your passion. That the part where they have the fight on the clock tower mm -hmm. and he and Radigan both. Oh, the dynamic that Radigan is like Moriarty. More on that in a minute, but like where they both fall off the clock tower. The Reichenbach fall. Yes, it's the Reichenbach fall um, without the very long wait to see if he survives or not. You find out right away he made it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a kid's movie and they're going to resolve it right away. But just the reference of them both falling into the mist mm -hmm. and you can't see. You, there's at least some mystery. What happened? Mm -hmm. All the references. Great. Um, I, I really liked that about this film and really good entry point for me was just being a mystery story, being a Sherlock Holmes story. Great. Uh, we normally talk about stuff that we don't like as much about the movie now, but I don't know if we have any. I, I have one thing. Go on. I, the only thing is that Radigan as Moriarty doesn't exactly work. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they tried to set it up as he's like this genius, uh, you know, criminal crime mastermind overlord like Moriarty is in mm -hmm. the Sherlock books. But Radigan is really more charismatic. He's more of a charismatic leader. He's a doesn't seem quite as smart to me. Seems like he's more intimidating and charismatic and he gets other people to do the dirty work for him. Mm -hmm. So not not a not a great direct parallel there for me. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He like after he threw Fidget off of the airship, he like hopped on that little bicycle and was like, "We're going." Yeah, no, no, no. I, I just think he's a different character mm -hmm. type than Moriarty, whereas the other characters, like you could really one to one map them onto the Sherlock Holmes characters. Mm -hmm. He was a different thing. I, I get why they wanted to kind of make the Moriarty parallel because that's Sherlock Holmes' big nemesis and these nemesis. I don't know how much of that was. It just didn't fit the story. Mm -hmm. Maybe it didn't fit the actor. Maybe Vincent Price, you know, just had so much charisma. They're like, we got to give him more charisma. Yeah. He's he's a in, in equal parts creepy villain because he, he does a lot of that villain thing of like just like touching mm -hmm. everything. So much touching. And I'm a touchy person and that is too much touching. But also like he's very clearly got everyone under his thumb yeah oh no they he's a good villain like they set him up as being dangerous like right away which i, I think a lot of modern movies you don't really get villains that are that dangerous he feeds one of his henchmen to a cat that's the, dark yeah the first thing we meet and him like we see the silhouette of it happening we hear the gulp yeah i'm like whoa this is a dark movie for kids mm -hmm. it's great <laughs> yeah. it's always the dark ones that we like yeah but but yeah they they set him up as being dangerous so he great villain not moriarty but good villain so that that's as close as i can get to saying something negative about this movie mm -hmm. it's great can you think of anything i i will say least favorite part hands down it's easy uh, there's a very racist depiction of Chinese people in the beginning. When we first meet Basil, he he runs in. He's in disguise. Oh, right. So that honestly, like that, mm, no, 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 Disney. No, not well done. Um, so that's going to be like my number one, not well done, Disney. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That does happen. Yeah. Um, 
Well, you found you found something negative to say. There you go. Yeah, because <laughs> I do. I do love this film so much. So speaking of how much we like this film, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's give it our rating system. Okay. So we give every film two ratings. One is how steampunk of this movie, and that's going to be uh, how many steam engines does it get mm-hmm. out of five. So on a scale of one to five steam engines, Dana, what do you think this one is? Oh, this is 100% five steam engines. Five steam engines. Yeah. I, I think I have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, you heard that here, folks. Five out of five steam engines for The Great Mouse Detective. Uh, and then the second rating we do is just how much you enjoyed the film. Like, you know, we're not film critics. You know, we might put on our amateur film critic hat at different points or whatever. But just how much did you enjoy this movie? How much do you like it? Um, your rating is going to be uh, one to five gears, Dana. How much do you enjoy this movie? It's five gears. Five I, gears? It, I Even watching this movie 40 years later, I still love it. I love everything about it, except for the racist depictions. I... I agree. I agree. My rating system is one to five top hats. I'm giving it five top hats, Dana. That's impressive. I'm tipping my cap five times to this film. Dang. Again, I didn't think I would like it this much the first time. I remember seeing it a couple years ago. Rewatching it, I was just in the whole way. I was never bored. I was never like, oh, well, that's kind of like, no, in. Every part of it was entertaining. Uh... Like the the bar scene, I think is really out of place and odd, but it's entertaining I and think it's it funny. It works though. I think it fits the genre. I think it fits the the needs of the case. I I think it works. Yeah. Um. No, I I really enjoyed it. Then one last thing, I I really liked a lot of the little jokes. I like the humor. That it's not in your face. It's no laugh track. It's not like, hey, look at this joke really subtle things just just tossed in like mm-hmm. the the her the housekeeper being like i'm afraid it is mm-hmm. you know the dog's ear turning into stairs uh then mispronouncing the name like i i love the subtleness that's great writing again five out of five top hats good movie if you haven't seen the great mouse detective then watch it right yeah 100 percent. like i said the, i think i think generally speaking the movie stands up except for the things that we've mentioned yeah so you heard it here it's a great steampunk movie it's a great movie check out if you haven't and something else you should check out is our twitter go to at steam powered pod tweet at us any suggestions you have for future movies we should watch um we're looking for any movie that is steampunk or has steampunk elements We'll watch it, we'll grade it, we'll talk about it, and uh, we'll give you a shout out if you if you recommend it to us, something mm-hmm. that we hadn't thought of before. So so do that, please. Um, anything else you need to, the people to know? No, I think uh, I think everything is is good for now. Well, this has been fun. Thanks everybody again for listening. Have a good one. We will talk to you next time with another steampunk movie. Take care, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.